Thank you for tuning into the Pictures of Lily podcast. I'm your host, Lily Moayeri. I have been a music journalist since 1992, and I interview a lot of music-related people. This podcast, which is named after the song by The Who, is about my experience behind the story, what my experience is doing the interviews, just to give you a snapshot of what it's like on the other side of the digital recorder. Pictures of Lily Thank you, everyone, for tuning into the Pictures of Lily podcast. This is episode 46. We're getting closer to our golden episode. You can find us on every platform by going to picturesoflily.com, where you can subscribe or follow us and also connect to us on SoundCloud, YouTube, Pandora, and Amazon. Although it's really best to listen to the podcast straight from the source at picturesoflily.com, as it is the best quality audio and avoids copyright restrictions. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. In this episode, I talk about my experiences with one of the most respected and revered DJs of the last 30-something years, Harvey. When I'm walking down the street and I see two cans of Spam. That ain't two cans of Spam. Here are a few snapshots of my experiences with DJ Harvey. I knew of Harvey because of the legendary status he held out here on the West Coast among our DJs. DJs such as Garth, Yeno, Marky, and Thomas of the Wicked Crew in San Francisco, who were somewhat associated with Harvey from one of their original sound systems in the UK called Tonka. I was, and am, a big fan of the music the Wicked DJs play, so I was definitely curious about and interested in hearing the DJ that they looked up to. I met Harvey when I was in London in the early 90s. I don't actually remember where or when or how, but I do remember trying not to stare at him and really wishing my Los Angeles and San Francisco friends were with me so we could have this experience together. It wasn't just that his legend had been blown up in my mind by his sometime cohorts. It was that he was so cool. If I had just seen him in the street and didn't know who he was, I would have still thought he was a cool guy. I saw Harvey or went to some club nights he was DJing over the next few years in the UK. But I feel the real connections with Harvey happened after he moved to Los Angeles in 2003. I was really surprised that Harvey and Heidi, along with their son Harley, moved to Los Angeles rather than San Francisco where their prior connections lived. But that, in itself, was a signal that he was different. He left a very comfortable life with a string of steady and really quality DJ gigs, and establish residencies in the UK to come here and essentially start from scratch. It's not like things weren't going well with him. They were going extremely well. But he made this major change anyway, which, in my mind, was a sign of character. He lived in Venice Beach and went surfing every morning, which is still what he does to this day. He was doing odd gigs around town, and I remember two very distinct ones where it was just me and him hanging out. One was at Moonshadows in Malibu, where my friend Mick Cole hosted the Outdoor Blue Lounge. Harvey played there on a Saturday night, and he and I spent a bunch of time sitting on the floor of that outdoor deck, talking and talking and talking about all kinds of random things. But we both felt like we could be super random with each other, and it wouldn't go wrong. Another time, we went to one of his gigs together at the Palladium. I'm not sure why he was DJing there or with whom, but we got really bad Chinese food and ended up sitting on the curb, once again talking about the most random things. 
Heidi reminded me that I did an interview with Harvey at the time, which I believe happened because she remembers those things. But I do remember a cover story I did on Harvey for DJ Times Magazine in 2014. Eleven years after he moved here, his situation was very different. He was a very established entity, not just that, but his legendary status had grown and was global, including in his adopted country and his adopted hometown, which when you actually live in Los Angeles is difficult to do. This interview was an opportunity for me to be kind of a fangirl. All the music-related questions that I really couldn't ask Harvey because our friendship was too far along, but that were always unanswered for me, I could bring up in this interview. In fact, my editor at DJ Times wanted those questions to be covered in this story that he had been pursuing for so long. His editor's note was dedicated to the fact that Harvey was his white whale and how he had been chasing an interview with him since the first time he heard him DJ, which happened to be at a warehouse party I took him to here in Los Angeles. One of the cool DJ things that Harvey told me for that interview about his DJing was, you would buy two copies of a record, you would play the bonus beats, the vocal, then the instrumental, then the dub, and then the full mix. That's a lost art. I used to buy three copies of every record, two to play and one to keep. A brand new record at the ministry, I would make a 25-minute mix of two copies, whole new versions of tracks on the fly. Then he told me about doing edits physically before he could do them in a computer. It would take seven minutes or eight minutes for each little cut to do a digital edit. But you didn't need to be covered in tape, which is how I was initially doing it, cutting my fingers on razor blades and sitting up all night in smoke-filled rooms. Harvey is very aware of his position in the big picture of electronic dance music. What always surprises me is his ambition and his competitive nature. He's so cool and doesn't do any of the things that an ambition or a competitive person would do that it takes me by unawares every time I come across it. But at the same time, he doesn't change anything he does to fit in with what is popular, which, I believe, is why his position is so solidified. What audiences get from him, you can't get from anyone else. Sometimes this can be cathartic. I was on my way to one of his all-night gigs here in Los Angeles at Lot 613 when I got messages on my phone that one of my students from my first year of teaching had died. This was very fractured information and the people that were texting me were asking me for details. I was standing in the middle of downtown LA by myself trying to process what was happening. I went to Harvey's gig and danced all night in front of the speaker and that was the only way to deal with this horrific thing that had just happened. There have been many occasions that his DJ gigs have been close to a spiritual experience and certainly never forgotten in my mind. In 2012, he did a back-to-back set with Andrew Weatherall in Amsterdam during the Amsterdam dance event, another all-night set. I had texted Andrew to tell him I was in town and I was coming to the gig, so he was expecting me. When I got there, I climbed into the DJ booth, which was only Harvey and Andrew, and just stayed in the corner. It was a -a once-in-a-lifetime experience. This is what Harvey told me about it for the DJ Times cover story. I've never done a back-to-back thing with anyone else before. I don't even like the idea of it. Why would you stop what someone's doing halfway into it and then have someone else try and establish themselves doing something else? Unless you worked as a DJ duo, which I think is quite odd anyway. Weatherall is an old friend and probably the only person I would consider doing that with. We decided to do half an hour each and bounced off each other's half an hour. He had a whole other CD player so he could queue up stuff while I was playing. We discussed beforehand to start slow at 100 BPM and go from there. As the energy builds, the tempo can build. It worked really well and it was a great night. 
For all his musical accomplishments, what's not talked about enough is Harvey's high level of intelligence. He is so bright, has so many thought out opinions that he articulates so clearly and firmly you don't for a second question his assertions. And he's funny, like really very funny, with quintessential British sarcasm, but to a maximum degree. We may not see each other often, but I definitely get the feeling that he feels relaxed and comfortable around me and that I understand what he's saying without him having to explain it with too much detail. Even his delivery is different when we talk. Harvey makes growing old seem fantastic, like something to look forward to and not something that takes anything away from you, but rather adds to you and gives you cred. That's my snapshot of many, many years of DJ Harvey. Almost all my various interviews with him are linked at picturesoflily.com and reading them for this episode made me realize we're overdue for a new one. In the next episode, I will be talking about my experiences with Luke Steele of Empire of the Sun, whom I have known from long before his days in Empire. From myself and my co-producer, director, editor, Lawrence Schroeder, thanks for listening. And if you have a chance to subscribe or follow the podcast on any of the podcast platforms, please do so and please rate and review. You can connect to us on picturesoflily.com and from there you can choose your preferred podcast platform or SoundCloud or YouTube or Pandora or Amazon. You can also find the playlist for the podcast episodes on Spotify and YouTube. There is also a Pictures of Lily newsletter that goes out when each podcast episode posts that you can subscribe to on picturesoflily.com. Thanks for listening. Pictures of Lily.